Dotnet Rocks episode 781 with guest Remy Sharp. Recorded live Wednesday, June 6th, 2012. This episode is brought to you by Telerik and by Franklins.net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering Gesture Pack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at gesturepak.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Hey, thank you very much. It's Colin Richard. We're in the fishbowl at the Norwegian Developers Conference in Oslo, Norway. What's up, Mr. Campbell? Just had some ribs. Yes, I just sampled the ribs. So they've got these great food stations scattered around the floor this year, and they're they're sort of associated with various speakers. So oddly enough, we're associated with barbecue. I don't know how that happened. How did that happen? I, I'm totally confused by that. I'm really I'm looking for the bourbon station. Uh, you know, I was just about to say they should be serving bourbon with those ribs. Yeah, but we're in Europe. Bourbon's hard to come by here. It's true. You know, you find Jack Daniels all over the place, but it really isn't bourbon, is it? No, that's a different thing entirely. Now, if we brought a nice quart bottle of Woodford Reserve, that would be enough for us. I found that the Europeans, they have Maker's Mark if they have bourbon, but they don't have Woodford Reserve and they don't have Knob Creek, two of my other favorite bourbons. True enough. All right. Well, anyway, we've talked about alcohol far too long. Let's uh, get right on to Better Know a Framework. All right. Hit music. Hit me. What do you got? So uh, today I'm going inside the Windows 8 API, or better known as the Metro API, but formally known as the Windows Runtime. Oh, okay. Yeah, Windows Runtime. So this is Windows 8, and uh, in honor of Remy, who's Mr. JavaScript, we're going to talk about JavaScript that doesn't run in a browser. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, this is the JavaScript, uh, the WinJS namespace that is used to build native metro applications in windows 8 uh so if you haven't heard that go to the tabletshow.com and catch up because you got a lot of catching up to do so today i'm going to talk about winjs.xhr and this function wraps a call to xml http request in a promise a promise a promise what's a promise a promise is sort of like a task but that's the javascript name of uh for a task it's essentially um the async await mechanism that's wrapped for the language of javascript in html uh and so so they have these uh extensions that go into the language to sort of wrap these core features and that's what they're called in uh winjs so there you go so that's basically a way to do asynchronous uh http requests in WinRT, if you're using JavaScript and HTML5 as your UI design. So you have a, uh, a comment? You pulled a comment from the website? I did indeed. This comment comes from show 765, and that was the one we did with Brian Noyes on uh, single-page applications. And I grabbed the comment from Philip Murray, who says, uh, Thanks for another cool show, guys. As a developer that's been primarily focused on WinForms, Enterprise Mobility, and XAML slash Silverlight, I found the whole web stack very difficult to approach. I'm starting to look at ASP.NET MVC, which makes some sense to me, as I have previously used MVVM, but generally find ASP.NET, and specifically JavaScript, a difficult platform to penetrate. The fact that HTML5 is still not standardized, I don't think that's true, Remy, we're going to have to talk about that, uh, makes things even worse, and the implementation of the Razor syntax confuses things further. As for JavaScript, it just makes my head hurt. 
What are the recommendations for third-party frameworks? I'll get Remy to answer that one, too, because there's lots of conversation there. I think a show on the ASP.NET and JavaScript would be useful for the WinForms guy. Uh, thanks very much, Phil. Uh, Philip, your wish is my command. We will certainly make that show happen. And while I know JavaScript's a little hard on you at this point, it's not as evil as you think. In fact, it's getting better all the time. It's getting less evil. <laughs> but uh, let's get our guest in the loop here, and he can answer the question. Uh, but first, what do we got? Well, before we introduce Remy, I need to tell you that Pluralsight provides comprehensive developer training online. They have over 250 hardcore developer training courses authored by experts such as those who are on our show. They release 12 to 15 new courses every month and offer a free 10-day trial or 200 minutes to their vast library. And we're talking iOS, Java, Android, web development, pretty much anything you can think of on the Microsoft stack, including extensive Windows 8 coverage. Pluralsight has coverage of HTML5 and CSS3 development topics. Again, just about anything that you can think of, it's all up there. Try it today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. And with that, let me introduce Remy Sharp. Remy is the founder and curator of Full Frontal, the UK-based JavaScript conference. I love that name. He also runs jQuery for Designers, co-authored Introducing HTML5, adding all the JavaScripty bits, and is one of the curators of HTML5Doctor.com. Welcome back, Remy. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being here. What do you think of the show so far? Um, I've I've only seen one talk so far, um, and then I ducked out the, the the Metro talk halfway through, forgetting or remembering that uh, you guys wanted to talk to me. So uh, good so far. Did you uh, Did you like Errol's keynote? I, I only caught it over Twitter because I was uh, looking oh. at my slides and having a shower and I've seen Aral sing so um, you know <laughs> I, I've had my I, I've had my fair share of uh, Aral singing it live first thing in the morning. It's a it's a thing. It's impressive. Uh, he a guy can really belt it out. Uh, I want to jump onto the the comment we had. Uh, HTML five last time I looked actually standardized. So. This idea of standardization being an important thing to mm -hmm. me as a web developer is it doesn't matter. Really? Um, but so CSS 2.1 standard went to recommendation phase. That's the closest thing you'll get to standardize. Right. Um, it went to recommendation phase um, at the end of 2010. Mm -hmm. So lots of developers are using CSS 2.1 way, way before that. Before, whilst it was in draft, long before it was standardized. Right. And an even better example of this is for the Microsoft developers out there. You've been using XHR. You've been making AJAX requests. Microsoft invented it. It was right. never a standard. It was a no. proprietary technology. And it was only standardized recently in like the grand scheme of things. But we were using it in websites 10 years ago to do AJAX things. Right. So you really need to focus on what the browsers are capable across the board. And those things, it's about... From a practical point of view, you have to look at what's implemented, not right. what's standardized. And with HTML5 compared to 10, 15 years ago, the spec is written for the browser vendors. Right. So they have that interoperability. They have it. They have all the error handling defined. They have all the detail defined. Whereas 10, 15 years ago, it was just Microsoft made this XHR thing and the other engineers had to reverse, reverse engineer that technology, understand how it works, understand how inner HTML works, and try and document that and implement it the same in their browsers. So Whereas, you're trying to say that uh, before you use a feature of HTML5, you should look to see which browsers implement it and say, oh, okay, is this a feature that is going to be core to... What do you think of the idea that, you know, some people might be so big-headed as to say, well, our app is going to be so awesome, we're going to force these browsers into, you know, our app is going to be so popular, these browsers will have no 
you know, no choice but to implement this HTML5 feature. Do you see that a lot? That sort of hubris? Um, I haven't seen it, but basically there's three there's three parts to the web ecosphere. There's the the vendors who can implement whatever they want, right? Microsoft did for a long time. Google is starting to do that now. They're well, not whatever they want, but they're starting to introduce new technology. Now they do push it back to the standards where they can. Yeah. Um. Then you have the standards bodies that document everything and trying to get all the other vendors to to implement the same thing. Sure. And then you have what the authors implement, what we as the web community implement. If mm-hmm. we don't implement it and make any use of it at all, it has no it has no value in a browser, has no value in a uh, standard, it has no value whatsoever. So microdata is an example of that. I it, it's there's this great spec on microdata that's mm-hmm. kind of like microformats but different and there's no decent support in browsers. There's plugins for it but there's no native support in in a lot of the browsers. So I'm I don't have any interest in implementing it at the moment. I don't know many other developers that are doing that. So that part just doesn't matter. Do you so have a personal list of browsers that must implement a feature in HTML5 before you'll use it? Um, all of the all, all the five big ones. I mean, but I mean more towards the mobile maybe than the uh, desktop browsers. Like, what if uh, you know? What if Firefox on Windows doesn't implement an HTML5 feature, but you know, it's implemented on Safari, so all on iPads and iPhones and Internet Explorer and so Chrome. It depends on the uh, it it depends on a single piece of technology how important it is to my application. Mm. So if it's something like my the the problem I have that I'm trying to solve requires WebSockets. If it absolutely yeah. has to have WebSockets, right. then I need to look at my my baseline uh, uh baseline browser. The advantage of being in JavaScript is we can we can use a technique called polyfilling, which basically plugs in that missing technology, replicates the entire API as if it were there natively. What's it called again? Polyfill. Polyfill. So in the UK we have uh, polyfill for filling cracks in the walls. Yeah. You, the, America have spackling. We call it and, spackle. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> the idea is we're flattening the wall. We're basically yeah. creating a stable environment to, to code against. Right. And the polyfill sits in between our code, the author's code, and the browser, and introduces the full. API. So then WebSockets are now available in i6. If I have a significant user, uh, 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 significant number of users that are using i6, and I have to solve this problem using WebSockets. Friends, don't let friends run i6. We're just saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think he was going for comic effect. <laughs> but, but it's true. Absolutely. So if, if my, the major, majority of users are i6, and the requirement is a this uh, high performance game. Right. It doesn't matter that IE ten and IE nine have a great Canvas API and uh, hardware acceleration. Mm-hmm. IE six is the target platform. If I try and polyfill Canvas in an old slow browser like that, it's going to fail. So really, the solution there is Flash or Silverlight. Right. So I need to choose the technology based on you know where I'm, what Where's I'm trying to penetrate. Yeah. And in the end, I'm beginning you know reminded once again the users don't give a crap about cross-browser and cross-platform support. They're only using one browser and one platform. They care about their platform and their browser support. The, the only developers care about the cross-platforms. Well, and developers are users too, but they're also the, the most persnickety users that we have. We're the, we're the pro users. We're the, um, I don't think we really matter that much when it comes to the general uh, um, the, the general kind of usage of it. I mean, I've been to conferences where every laptop's a Mac. That doesn't yeah. mean that all the users use Macs. I'm now at NDC where pretty much every laptop's a PC. It's kind of like bands that play only for other musicians. Yeah, it's, that's what we are as developers, but we have to remember that 
it has to you're absolutely right like mm-hmm. it has to just work on their their device whether it's a windows phone or an ios phone or um you know a large pc or a tablet or whatever right um i do believe that the web is getting there and mm-hmm. and, and i'm with you the standard's not the important part the implementation is the important part yeah. i think it's very challenging for us as developers to sit down with the five major browsers and have some confidence that a given rendering is going to look the same on all five. So that, again, is why the HTML5 spec is the biggest spec out of all, out of all of the versions of HTML5. Mm-hmm. It's about the majority is about error handling, how it renders correctly, what right. happens when you, you leave off tags, what happens if you, you just give it a, a doc type, a title tag, and a P tag, what happens? Mm-hmm. And that's defined, and all the, the browser vendors today, they're writing their their browser engines against those specifications, which is good for me because I know I've, I've got a lot more confidence now. I know when I fire up IE9, it's pretty much going to be the same when right. I'm building in Chrome, or if I open it in Opera, it'll pretty much be this, exactly the same. Very, very rarely with newer browsers do I have that kind of cross cross browser issue. Right. Um, but if I'm supporting IE8 and IE7 and IE6, well, IE6 isn't really isn't really a, a, a market share for a lot of the apps that I'm building. I yeah. seven and eight are still still out there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we got to cut the line somewhere. And it was a few years ago that the pressure really came on. Let's get yeah. rid of IE six because it was a very odd browser. Yeah, uh, but you don't see anybody fussing around IE five five anymore. No, exactly. Yeah, um, but it's a case. I mean, where I have a client approach me for a piece of work, mm-hmm. I try and get an understanding of who they're targeting. Right. What what who their users are. If they're corporate users, then it's likely they're going to have older machines. They have a better idea of... But also very consistent browser experience. Yeah. They have a a template they're working from. Yeah. If it's um, uh, weekend users or people, you know, kids in the evening, it's likely to be kind of a a newer browser where they update and they have newer machines and so on. So So what's the coolest, latest and greatest in HTML5 CSS that you've seen? I'm really interested in the stuff that people aren't interested in. So I don't... Canvas well, and video is then. cool. I mean, I'm really interested in the little parts like um, JavaScripty uh, bits. The JavaScripty bits, yeah. I'm I'm interested in things like event source, which can push messages up to the browser, and which is like WebSockets but one way, so pushing prices and notifications up to the browser. Um, and you're saying up to the browser, uh, as in from the server. Push. So push, yeah, push, but push a real base. push. Which yeah, I real think push. Very exciting. Yeah, right. That we actually get back to the browser. Yeah. Um, Web uh, RTC, so real-time communication, uh, mm-hmm. that's getting access to... Uh, in fact, actually, the most interesting part at the moment for me is hardware access. Um, access to the microphones, access to the uh, uh, webcams, access to... I mean, we had... A, on, on mobile phones, we now started... You can write get, real apps. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we... HTML <laughs> is always going to be behind. <laughs> just hit Richard in the eye with a microphone. HTML. <laughs> I'm laughing so hard. I'm sorry. I really was trying to be flip when I said but, that. But web apps will always be behind things like Flash and Silverlight and native, you know, native built apps because we don't get access to the hardware. We don't get. We'll always be given. As, yeah, as, you're as, in a sandbox, right? But really, there's but no need growing. for that, right? Why can't you have access to the microphone? So they work out. So uh, I think I read just recently uh, in the last twenty years, the the, the web browser is one of the most secure environments. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's no security issues at, at well. I mean, there's security issues in the browsers, <laughs> and they again. fix them, right? Yeah. Um, and as they introduce the this different level of access, you're introducing more security problems, right. and you're, they're trying you're to increasing very the attack surface yeah. area 
for I mean there's there's been very few, but there have been a few buffer overflow type stunts that could be done through a browser that allowed you to breach the sandbox. Yeah. And it's a big deal when that happens. So they need to when they give you access to the webcam, for instance, they, they need, need to, to make sure permission. it's very carefully yeah. defined, make sure that the browsers are taking the same approach, make sure that the user is being notified, yeah, like you said, kind of agreeing yeah. to give access to that right. kind of thing. I was going to say, you don't want to turn just be able to turn the microphone on without the user's permission or, yeah. or the webcam for that matter. Yeah. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? I like the uh, I like the feature where the light on the webcam lights up when it's in use. You know, those are nice little features. But but yeah, if everybody doesn't play nice, like you said, you know, well, that, there's some there's a there's a case for standardization right there. Yeah, and if I lose, if if I mean, say say uh, you know, X browser implements the 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 WebRTC. APIs mm-hmm. and gives you access to the webcam, but does it in a way that you can't see that the webcam is on. You're going to lose. People will lose confidence in those browsers. There will yeah. immediately be lots of kind of security around that and, and concerns, and you'll you'll lose confidence in that piece of kit, and your, people will move away if there's genuine in, genuine kind of fear in in your personal security. Um, I I hope that's true. I mean, that said, I've read recently the Facebook uh, app is apparently taking photos when you're. Uh, doing video stuff, apparently. Um, what? <laughs> uh, the I think one of their native apps. There, I, mean, <laughs> I need to pull out an article to go with this. So I'll try and dig out a link. Right. Um, it takes photos as you're chatting to someone you know through their 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 face web app, uh, uh, face app. Right. And uh, I also heard that apparently the FBI are asking for permission to turn on connects to turn on the video um, stream and. You know, if I knew that was happening, if my if if the UK government was doing that, I'd probably get rid of my Connect fairly quickly. I right, at least unplug it when you're not using it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So you lose confidence in a piece of kit. We're getting smart as smart as consumers. So hopefully, I mean, I've got faith that people will just go, "No, that's a really fucking awful idea." Yeah. Well, actually, the first time I showed my wife the Connect, she was horrified. She was like, "Oh my god, there's no way that's coming to my house." You know, for that reason, you know. It can see you, but you, I don't understand webcams at the best of times. Like, what do we need this for? Who needs to see my talking head, really? Well, you know, you're talking audio guys here, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got faces for radio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this is something that HTML has wanted, or web developers have wanted for a long right. time. I want to get access to the, the, I want to take a photo. Let me take a photo. It's right there. The yeah. camera's attached to the phone. Yeah, especially we, we're talking getting about, this. A, you know, in Twitter or any of those sorts of things where, yeah, you just want to make that a part yeah. of a unified experience. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by Telerik, makers of Kendo UI. Are you a web or mobile developer who wants to build amazing sites and apps? Looking for the best tool out there that can really improve your development work? We've got the answer for you. Kendo UI is everything you need to build HTML5 and JavaScript sites and mobile apps. In the complete integrated package... You'll find a jQuery-based toolset that includes rich UI widgets, a powerful data source, dynamic data visualizations, and blazing fast micro-templates, all backed by industry-leading professional support. Visit the official Kendo UI website at kendoui.com slash .net, that's D-O-T-N-E-T, to find out more about Kendo UI or download the free 60-day trial with support. Also, Tablet Show number 19 was an interview with Todd Anglin on the Kendo UI. Richard and I talked to him at length about this great tool set. That's at thetabletshow.com, and look for show number 19 in the archives. And when you talk to the Telerik guys, 
Make sure you thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. Well, doesn't PhoneGap give you access to hardware devices? Yeah, it somehow? does. It's, PhoneGap is a stopgap solution. So, but how are they doing it? They, they are um, writing the native, the native language for the platform. So for iOS, for Windows, for, um, uh, for all of the, for the Android. So they're it's writing not the code. Just JavaScript. And they are putting in a web view and they expose their, their consistent API, which then hooks into the bindings for okay. that native platform. Yeah, so it's a way of circumventing the sandbox, essentially. Yeah. Well, they're, they're get it, getting you into the device, giving you the access that we want. Mm -hmm. And what they're trying to then do is match the API, the specifications and the APIs as they are rolled out. So the WebRT spec, once that settles down and starts landing in the browsers, I expect that their their implementation will match that as well. Mm -hmm. And the point being is eventually, one day, PhoneGap will have no uh, no reason to exist. Right. And that's, that's one of the things that I've heard them, uh, like Brian LaRue, talk about. They exist to, to not exist. They don't want to be there. They're mm -hmm. just solving a problem that we couldn't get, th we couldn't get through to the webcam. Hence camp. the name Gap. Exactly. Favorite frameworks you're using in HTML5? I tend to be um, a bareback gal. Yeah, you're not a backbone or... They, for larger applications, so larger applications, backbone's great. Mm -hmm. um, I've read a lot about Ember as well. I haven't had a reason to use it yet. Um, I you, tend to... Do you live with jQuery? jQuery is part of your psyche? Not particularly. Really? Um, I tend to only use jQuery if I need to prototype very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, or if the client already uses jQuery, I'll, I'll use it again. Mm -hmm. Um for the stuff that I get contracted to do, it tends to be very specific pieces of uh, very specific solutions. So I tend to roll my own code. Um, you're also pretty hardcore. Like you've been in this a long time. You know how to. You're not afraid. You know. But I think the big thing people like about jQuery is it, it's that Crockford esque abstraction. It's JavaScript only the good bits. Yeah. And that, I don't think you struggle so, with that as no, much as yeah. I, I prefer to be closer to the metal, but. Uh, jQuery kind of um, normalizing the uh, the DOM uh, interaction, actually how you manipulate the DOM is really important. Mm -hmm. um, but in parts of HTML5, there are little pieces of technology that kind of plug each bit right. that jQuery is fixing for us. Uh, if jQuery didn't have to support um, IE7, right. and it was just IE8 onwards, the, yeah, yeah. The, the core selector engine could be removed, right. and they could use query selector all. Which you is in IE8 and above, and all the other browsers. You say you like the communication stuff. Uh, what about Signal R? Like it? Use it? What Signal R? Sorry. What is that? It's a Microsoft-specific technology for a guy who doesn't do a lot of work with Microsoft. <laughs> wow. I use IE, IE, and IE9, 10, 7, 8, and so on. But Signal R is a is a a uh, uh, plug into IIS, basically as a way to provide some WebSocket support. Okay, well that's that's cool. But I, it, but it goes down. Yeah, it, it basically works on downloadable browsers. Yes, uh, so it's client side as well. Okay, um, is it? Per it's for persistent connections. Oh, okay. I think I have actually seen it. It's a it's a library for creating persistent connections. I assume. Yeah, it works in the browser. On the that's, server that's side, that IS has got the the parts to plug into. Right. But then it's a question of what does the client understand, and they've got various abstractions all the way down to just using Ajax trips to pass the right. stuff up. Right. Okay. Down. So signal R sounds like the equivalent in so the equivalent in Node.js is mm -hmm. Socket IO, um, yeah. although it's it's uh, an independent project. It sounds like the same thing. Basically, abstracting away um, real time communication, and if there's no web sockets there, what does it def like exactly. degrade down to? Yeah, that's exactly it. Okay. And, well, that's a, that's uh, a but good it's thing. Microsoft on the back end. I'm for me that's a good thing. Um if you if you're 
I don't want to say if you're stuck with IIS, then um, <laughs> then SignalR sounds like a great well, solution. Well, there is means... a Node implementation for okay. IIS now as well. But to get back to the kinds of apps that that want this uh, round trip ability, this persistent connection, because you know I come from the scaling world where persistent persistent connections are evil. Yeah, like that is immediately a limit of the number of users to be supported by a given server. So we moved to an event-based model, not mm. a you know a threaded model, basically. Um, I don't know the inner workings of IS to be able to kind of comment on this, uh, the, uh, the the threaded part. But working with Node, on my, from my point of view, it's perfect because it has this event this event loop that can scale much better. And I mean, it's obviously not the golden uh, you know silver bullet. No. Um, but it means that by default, I'm not limited to 50 Apache processes, for right. instance. Um, it strikes me that Node's appeal was really, it's the swing back of web servers have gotten too complicated. Yeah, yeah. They've become Swiss Army knives, and a lot of people don't want the corkscrew yeah. you know, or the scissors. It's just there's too much stuff on it, and so now they're back to just the minimum bits I need. And the, you know, we're going to start swinging the other way. They'll add more and more bits to it until it looks remarkably like Apache or IIS well, again. But Node at its core is just um, an executable with a few modules included. Right. The third-party uh, modules that you add yourself is the thing that's going to build it up and make sure. it bigger and bigger. But we, you know, 15 years ago, we were just a request-based uh, web users. 10 to 7 years ago, Ajax, if it wasn't updating in real time or it wasn't validating my username in real time yep. um, using Ajax, it, it, yeah, exactly. It was taking too long. Today, it has to be real time. We want, we, you know, we're so busy with all these things that we, you know, mobile phones and laptops and tablets and TV and everything that we want everything come, to come to us. And the only mm -hmm. way we can do that is by maintaining persistent connections and having push data come to us. So is push possible without a persistent connection? Long polling, so yeah, you yeah. you degrade your way down and go to kind of the the old school methods of doing it, or right. the old school, the you know comet based. Techniques. And you were talking about a technology that uses push before. What was that? Uh, event source. So yeah, event it's source. called server sent events, and the object is called event source. So uh, the 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 appeal for me of event source is that um, if there's no native support for event source, you can mm -hmm. polyfill it just using JavaScript, so you can okay. replicate the entire API. And you don't, it'll work on um, an old um, Android 2.2 phone. Mm -hmm. uh, IE9 doesn't have event source, so it will work on an IE9 phone because you can replicate the API. And you can get those, I mean, it, it, it goes down to long polling, or there are ways to um, maintain that persistent connection and trick IE9 into getting that message. But you get, you work against this standard called event source that's very simple to yeah. code up. Um, and really, for me, very easy to use. All right, so we've been talking a lot about the different technologies you use and the stacks and everything. Let's talk about some apps you built, because I always love to hear the stories about great apps. Um, the, the best app, the most recent one, there's a massive NDA sitting on top of it, so All right. it, it, it sucks. <laughs> um, well, they, that's they, not the only app. Yeah, think. no, that's not the only app. Um, uh, the thing is, I've, I've, I've been doing a lot of workshops, so <laughs> recently my, app, my, my, my client work has been... Not a ton. What have I done recently? I did the Radiohead homepage, which was like a big animation. Really? Yeah, that was very cool. Wow, no kidding. Um, I mean, I, I, they didn't approach me. They approached an agency that said, yeah. we don't want a big company like Google to do this. Yeah. Go find someone who's cheap. Um, uh, uh, I don't know if they use the word cheap, but... Um, cheaper. Cheaper, a lot cheaper. Um, and I got to do the Radiohead animation. Um, so did you ever get to meet him? No, but I did get an email that said that they looked at the animation and said <laughs> it was cool. So something I did, Radiohead oh. said was cool. So They've been fairly innovative in the way that they've 
approach to um, distribution and uh, of their music. Yeah, yeah. They, I, I think they get digital content. No, definitely. I'd, I'd love to do more of that kind of stuff, but the all I'm, I'm I did was a Radiohead. It's a simple and, and animation. Dude, I mean, this is cool. Yeah, it is. it's what you know. What I mean, as a user, guy who's really interested in usability, is you didn't put a flash animation that I was forced to watch before I could do anything on the site. The word Radiohead comes up. The menu at the bottom comes up. It works immediately, and the animation slowly is taking over the screen while everything's still completely usable. Like yeah, there's no there's no skip button. Yeah, and I love it. My part was just the you know the animation part, and I mean they obviously designed it, and I worked with them to to right. make it less beautiful <laughs> to do what we could do in the browser, and then after a while, it eventually switched colors and. You know how many users actually see that? I don't know, but I, I'm sticking around to see what happens next because yeah. gradually the screen is going black. Yeah, and then it eventually kind of switches to white. And um, trying to think. Oh, so uh, one application I'm working on internally for uh, not internally, but as a project that I'm running mm-hmm. is um, a development tool called JSBin. It's on its third iteration, and one of the key features I'm working on now is. You, c- I could be uh, writing up code. It renders in real time in the preview, and mm-hmm. um, I'm teaching about HTML or JavaScript. You guys have the same window up on your screen, and the code in real time streams up to your nice. your your computers. Cla- love it. That's um, a very persistent connection example. Exactly. Right? But also, you can look at the preview uh, URL on your, a whole bunch of different mobile phones, um, or tablets, or or even on a TV browser. Mm-hmm. And as I'm typing, it will tell those those pages to update. So if it's CSS, it'll just inject it. If it's a full uh, HTML change, then it will um, then it will cause a refresh. So you could have the IE9 phone, the Boot to Gecko phone, the XP IE uh, browser on mm-hmm. the TV, and they will automatically refresh as I'm coding away and testing a piece of code. So that's, that's cool. kind of that's the thing I've been working on for uh, some time. And well, Richard, you know what time it is? It must be that happy time again. <laughs> you say that every time. I love it. Uh, it is time to give away a Telerik Ultimate Collection to a lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club, and today's winner is Aaron Dandy. Congratulations, Aaron. Golf clap for Aaron. I'm hitting the side of my face because I'm holding my... <laughs> uh, and if you don't know what we're talking about, this is a $2,000 value, the Telerik Ultimate Collection, $7,000 worth of their software, all for free, just for signing up for the .NET Rocks fan club. And if you don't know that, what that is, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big get free stuff button in the upper right hand corner and you too could win something we give away something every show in fact we're giving away five thousand dollars uh worth of technology every year starting in december and i'm thinking one of those 64 core machines is going to be the thing uh you just want to build a big honk computer can we spend five grand on a pc the answer is yes actually we could spend 4400 bucks just on the cpu and motherboard Oh, well, I could go nuts on the SSDs. We could probably burn through a whole bunch of cash there. How about a couple of terabytes worth of SSDs? Oh, man. Now there's people out there going, where do I sign up? Well, go to .netrocks.com, click on the Get Free Stuff link on the right-hand side, and you can be part of the pool. So anyway, uh, getting back to the what we were talking about, stuff that you've written or stuff that you've seen, there must be some really cool things that you come across every once in a while on the web that you say, wow, how did they do that? and uh, view source uh is that your main mode of discovery of how to do things view source still is that still the, the viable means for me yeah um i realize it's not the most um effective way sometimes <laughs> maybe i could read the article that goes with the app mm. <laughs> but i've got a habit of going yeah i want to see the demo show me show me show me right um 
view source and also kind of looking at the developer tools yeah. and looking at the rendered DOM. Sure. Often a lot of the code is compressed, so being able to decompress code uh, as a deminify code is useful. So what are some of the, the coolest sites or, or places that you've been to lately that have caught your eye? Okay, so not not possibly there's cooler stuff out there, but stuff that I've seen that's yeah. new and actually I I really like. Uh-huh. Um, Flickr, maybe a little, maybe about three years late, but Flickr have updated their um, their method of uploading uh, files to to your Flickr stream, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you just click new and you just drag all your pictures into the browser and it starts uploading them immediately. Oh, cool. Um, and so whilst you're thinking about what title goes with each one of the pictures, it's quietly sending up the wire. So instead of going, okay, I'm ready, hit upload, and then it takes ages to upload them, it's been doing it whilst you're processing and whilst you're processing those images yourself, which I really... I, yeah. You know, the browsers are capable of this today. Sure. I want to see more of that going on. That sort of asynchronous, take advantage of the dead time behavior. Absolutely. Um, one other thing, I mean, this is this is kind of web and this is kind of something else. Um, and I'm not trying to pimp Microsoft particularly, but um, the, no, right. the OnX, uh, the thing that came out of uh, Microsoft Israel, this is... Uh, How do you spell it? Uh, O-N uh, brace X, close brace. Oh, okay. On X. And what is this? So this is um so this is an Android app, funnily enough. Uh you put on your phone and then you use a, a web site to send it push notifications about specific things. So hmm. if you've seen um if this if this then that, so ift yep. um which are basically recipes for do something when something happens. Right. This is that kind of thing, but it'll It'll use sensors from your phone, and you get to write kind of um, JavaScript code to push messages to your phone. So it's a sort of a generic cause and effect kind of thing. Yeah, and there's things like the phone has sensors to know um, when it's moving at high speed and when it's gone down to wow. kind of a low speed. So it knows that when you've parked your car, it'll send a message up to this this cloud or the moon, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it will then take a record of where you were stood using geolocation to then remind you that's where you parked your car. It's not just with geolocation. You can use it, any sensors in the phone or any... It, yeah, that's the impression I got. I mean, it's very, very new. I only saw it yesterday, but I but thought yeah, that just was... just looking at some of these recipes, like, uh, you know, text my wife, I'm on my way when I leave work. Okay, well, there's a GPS trigger, right? I know your work is, you're moving away from that work, I can send that out. Uh, the one that I like is uh, launch music app when I am walking. So now I'm counting on the accelerometer. You're in motion. So they just launch the calendar app when I arrive at work. So, But I also got to say this is an Android-only thing. Yeah. Isn't that think come Microsoft out. built an Android thing. Exactly. Well, did Microsoft build it or was it built with No, no it comes from Microsoft Israel. Yeah, Microsoft built it. But their justification is that there's so little control over what you can do in an Android phone compared to like a phone seven that it's easier to do this sort of thing on Android than it is on phone seven. Wow, that's very cool. I got to send this to my brother, who's a Java programmer and has lots of hacked Android devices. <laughs> so one other tool that this is a tool that I use all the time, but this is kind of I expect this from web from webs web applications now mm-hmm. um irc cloud so i use irc um to do to kind of keep track of some conversations also right. dip into um uh, uh other irc channels but when you drop out of irc you lose everything right? right unless they're capturing the history and you go back through it which is a 
you know, it's a pain. It's hard work to go through. I've used IRC for firefighting, uh, you know, website disasters. Yes. Yeah, so and we log in- everything. It's a great record keeping strategy and so forth because everybody's remote. Yeah. But that's the exception. I mean, most IRC is very transient. So IRC Cloud, it uses, it's all in the browser. So mm-hmm. I'd have to download the app. It can be on your machine, on my machine. I can still get to it. It uses WebSockets to maintain the connections and keep it real time. And it means that when I walk away from IRC Cloud and close the window, I'm still logged in and I'm still still there and I still have that backlog of uh, messages. Right. I c- if someone sends me like sends me an uh, at Remy or you know Remy notification, when I go back to YRC Cloud, it will be there. And if it's in a background tab for me, because I'm using Chrome, they use um, uh, browser notifications, which I think is being pushed out to the W3C. So I'd like to see that kind of being picked up by other browsers. Surfing the web? Yeah, you ever try to surf the web on your phone? It's a little small. Especially when you're looking at a big list like the new feature list for Active Report 6. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we've been using it for 15 years. You know, the coolest new feature, I think, is the new Silverlight Report Viewer. What's cool about it, of course, is it's both native Silverlight for printing, but it's also got PDF support. So that really minimizes the amount of data that has to come over the wire. Makes it a lot more efficient. Well, we've been looking for a good solution for Silverlight data viewing. Yeah, it's a great product. I I think I'm going to order it. Not on that. No, not on here. I'll go to my desk first. Active Reports from Grape City Power Tools. Smarter components for smarter developers. IRC is actually a very robust messaging infrastructure for for distributed messages. I actually used it in an application that was for uh, uh, training, online training, where I would have groups of people together and needing to send messages to those groups. Persistent connections, again, you can create groups, you can create channels. It's, It's just easy. But it's now, I've got it just in a browser. That's the thing. I can just drop into my it's My application wonderful. of choice is the browser. I, right. I was asked what, what my favorite app is on my iPhone, which is the best app. I was like, it's the, I mean, I'm not a big fan of Safari on the iOS, but it's the browser. It's the right. one app that I go to all the time. It's the app that I always have open on my machine. Well, it's the app container for other apps. Exactly. Really. What about the, de- the dealing with mobile in general? Like a lot of this stuff, like the persistent connection stuff, is pretty tough to do on a phone just because the connectivity is so unreliable. Do you still buy into that? Like how do you abstract away dealing with I was on Wi-Fi, I moved to 3G, my 3G drops down to edge or to nothing, or you know, I go through a tunnel and I got to rebuild all of that. These are just problems I don't have on a desktop machine. Yeah, it's – well. The fun thing for me on mobile is it's like the Wild West days of IE6 sure. and, and even IE4 kind of. It was all new and kind of works and there's some interesting stuff, but it's they're all brand well, not brand new problems, but they're new problems to me. We're battling back. And it, I just still don't feel like we're getting respect for web-based apps on phones the way we're getting for apps. We... I, um, so I saw um, um, Paul Roger of uh, Mozilla did a demo of uh, Firefox, uh, a beta fi- Firefox, video recorded it. Mm-hmm. He had access to uh, the proximity sensor. He had access to uh, the vibration API, the battery API, the, um, all of the device APIs on the phone. We're seeing the, the, we're seeing the, well, the mobile phone browsers starting to give us more access. Now, right. I have no clue what Apple are doing and I hate that they won't engage the web uh, community at all. Yes. I hate that. Um, Apple really, still seems openly hostile to developers. I I really want to shake a few. It's not the developers, right? I'm sure they're sat there going, "I want to tell people about this," but yeah. there's their policies. Yeah. They need to change their policies. I'm 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 
strongly believe that they need to engage the web community to tell them not just tell them what we're, they're doing but to ask them what we need what we need yeah to um, be successful i really believe that ie10 on mobile could be a game changer i think right. that if they're going to produce the same quality um the same acts well same browser as the desktop ie10 on on mobile phone mm-hmm. they're going to really push past um safari on uh, on ios they then need to kind of start looking at device access and really giving that to us and you know the uh um the full kind of stack pla- uh, platform of uh, windows 8 and the windows runtime and right. that if i have access to that on the mobile phone and on windows mobile phone for me as a developer that becomes a very attractive very platform powerful. yeah because I, i've got first class access i want to mm-hmm. i want to work in an environment where i can T- make use of uh, uh, I can make phone calls or right. I can read your text messages and give them to you if mm-hmm. you if you let me do that yeah with proper permissions exactly but yeah it, it's after these capabilities they, they it's just that right now all of that's done through apps like if you say I want those abilities like yeah they're available you just have to program in, in Objective C or C Sharp or you know whatever the platform language of choice is and uh, going back to security on that, um, there was the example of Path on uh, the iPhone, mm-hmm. which when you were uh, connecting, it was uploading all your contacts. Yep. No one agreed to that. No. no one said, yeah, I'll install this. And But on the web, it's a much more secure um, um, environment. If that was a web app, it would have asked you. There's no way that, right, that would have been implemented. The OS owns that responsibility to notify you. You don't have to have a well-behaved app. Where when you, you know, the problem with these, actually, I think Phone 7 does a pretty good job of when you install an app, it says, here are the features I need to use. Now, you either accept them all or you don't get to use the app. Yeah. Uh, with a few exceptions here. And some apps that say, I'd like your location, but if you don't give it to me, I'll live without it. But a lot of them, you say no to anything. It's like, well, I won't install then. Bye bye. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's fair. Like, and eventually users get blind to that. They'll be like, yeah, yeah I don't care. Just give me the what thing. What do I got to say? Thing. Yeah. What do I have to say yes to to make the app go? Right. But you have some disclosure. And you'll, as users get um, uh, more used to this kind of thing, there'll be the red flag ones that come up when you'll scan through and you go, oh, yeah, whatever. I don't care that you want my location. All apps want my location. But you spot the, I will send all your contacts to my database mm. and you'll be looking for that kind of I, thing uh, after a while. I just recently watched Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the one from the 70s with Gene Wilder. And the, the thing that struck me and the reason why I brought this up is remember when he brings all of the kids and the parents into the very first room and he opens the curtain and there's the contract and the words get smaller and smaller, not responsible for crazy accidents and all other, you know, death and dismemberment and stuff until it gets very, very small. And then, you know, the, the used car salesman says, we're, we're not signing. He says, well, then you don't go in. Good day, sir. You know, that kind of thing. And that remind me, ah, it's a EULA. That's what I'm, that's what I'm signing. You know, the Facebook user agreement is if you printed it out, it's a book. Oh. <laughs> the privacy policy is a book. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't sure they had that much of a privacy policy. Actually, there is. And it's like, you know, huge, huge, 200 pages, perhaps from what I hear. Don't take my word for it. You know, I'm getting this mindset now where do not present me with an agreement that I cannot alter. You know, like there's no point in that. It's, if, if it's either all or nothing, then it's, you know. Yeah, and I'm going back to kind of apps and what their contract is and what access they have, you should be able to turn some things on and off and say, yeah. no, I don't want to give you that. I don't want to let you have my yeah. contacts. I'll put that in myself. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, um, I might make the app a little more awkward for myself, but it maintains the level of privacy that I want. Yeah, and the power users will want that. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, the regular users, my sister and my mom, won't care. What else can you do? You don't go in the chocolate factory. And we all want to There's a the South Park factory. episode about um, Eula's. Uh, Steve Jobs is up there saying, uh, I don't know if you want to link to it in your, your podcast, because <laughs> I think they agree to it and they get an iPad and, and then uh, something to do with the... Um, uh, what is the Calip- Caterpillar film where they're sewn to each other? Yeah, you probably don't want this. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> what is it you're talking about, Remy? I can't so, remember the name of the film. <laughs> what are you working on next? So at the moment... Um, Big NDA. <clears throat> well, no, the, the NDA the thing is... Well, that, that's finished. We're, I'm... I'm preparing my conference, even though it's November, but mm-hmm. um, I'm getting my... Spe- uh, well, not the speakers lined up. I'm getting the content lined up, and then we're matching the speakers to uh, the content. Um, so that's going to be launching in a week. So we're, we're working on the website, but because it's our own website, we get to kind of really play and make sure it's really responsive, right. works really well on all the different mobile that's, phones. If you're, you're going to make an HTML5 concert, conference, the website should be pretty good. Yeah, exactly. I'm just guessing. Yeah. And what's the site name? Uh, fullfrontal.org. Nice name. Um, not to be mistyped. <laughs> uh, because there is an Easter yeah. egg website. <laughs> You'd be very unhappy if you get that wrong. <laughs> yeah, or we, maybe we, not. We have to be careful about our hashtag during the conference as well. Uh-huh. Um, I'm also working on JSBin, which I talked about before. So um, it's near ready for this kind of real-time preview on lots of devices. The, the beta is up on jsbin.com slash three. Um, um, I'm still kind of ironing out the support in IE 8 and 7 but it's got to work in IE 8 Remind us again of what that does So it's um, a collaborative debugging tool so it's not to work at the same time but yeah. you have a bug you send me the bug like the snippet of code that has the bug right. I debug it fix it save it send it back to you Oh nice um, But I also I can debug it on my, by myself and actually see it being rendered on multiple different uh, browsers with just one URL, so and I it's just JavaScript put, only. It's all yeah. well. It's CSS and HTML, so it's JavaScript, oh, okay, CSS, yes. HTML. Yeah, yeah. Um, Is there a name for that whole stack now? The web? No, <laughs> no, no, no. HTML, JavaScript, CSS. Just you. Wasn't in it, terms of developer tools? Uh, it they they were trying to push the one web. Yeah, one it's web. just web technology yeah, to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think most people when they say HTML5 actually mean HTML5, JavaScript, CSS3. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's, that's kind of a prop. Not. It's a problem for developers. Like, if you're looking for CSS animations in the HTML5 spec, you're gonna have a long, long read. Like, yeah. it's 900 pages. Um, it, for developers, we should know where what's HTML5, what's not, so we can go find the specs. Right. The marketeers and the you know the the businessmen and the uh, the business women and the people on TV, whatever, call it HTML5 if you want. I don't care. I'm uh, not typically comfortable in the JavaScript space in terms of you know as comfortable as a lot of people are. Uh, it's just not my milieu, but I gotta say, um, digging into CSS3, I've been very, very impressed and loving it, actually. Uh, I'm, I'm just used to really sophisticated developer tools, so I just haven't found that right balance yet. Yeah, so um, I was just talking to uh, uh, one of the Microsoft guys, and, set, and they, they, showed, they showed Blend, which is a yeah. um, uh, Microsoft product, mm-hmm. and I kind of feel like I might become... Might becoming one of these dinosaurs that is like oh no i just use vi like right. why don't why are you using it? the as the apps become more complicated we do need uh, web developers do need more complicated right. tools to be able to achieve these yeah. um and i'm not 
I'm, I don't sit there going, no, you should use VI. If you don't, you're, sure. you're not cool. Um, the tools are coming. The tools are coming because yeah. they, HTML5 had to hit kind of the mainstream mm. before the, t- the, the big companies would invest in creating tools for mm-hmm. it. Um, now that, I mean, for me, anything that lands in Microsoft uh, uh, Internet Explorer, that point that lands in that browser is the point where it goes from kind of cool and edgy to mainstream. And that's right. a good thing from, from my point of view. So do you generally buy into this idea that the way for these technologies to be advanced is that the the guys building the browsers, the Microsofts and Googles of the world, to just implement the new features and get them out there? The new features that come with collaborating with other browser vendors, yes. I don't like the idea of just going... Hey, look, we've uh, we've invented something brand new. I mean, it does work. Like Canvas, the right. Canvas API came from Apple going, screw it, we're going to make a, a this new... This is how we want it. This yeah. is what we think should do. If you like it, implement it. Yeah. If you don't, whatever. Because the alternative is to go work with the standards bodies first and try and get agreement around that, which seems awfully slow. It is. So That's what, right. what, what actually happens and what works is a little bit of everything. Like the developers need... Uh, uh, microphone and webcam access. Yeah. The browsers kind of give it to you early in kind of prefix form, and the specs are being developed at the same time. So all of those things are kind of moving together at the same time. Richard, I heard you mention at the beginning of the interview that HTML5 became standardized. Is that the one that we were waiting, we're going to wait 10 years for? The standardization of so, HTML5? Uh, Ian Hickson was quoted to say that he would expect it would go to recommendation phase in 2022. That's what we thought. And this is based on having two interoperable implementations of the full HTML5 spec. That doesn't include web sockets, doesn't include web storage, doesn't include um, uh, WebRTC, any of that kind of stuff. It's just the HTML5 spec. Mm-hmm. There's not one single um, full in- implementation of CSS 2.1 today. Okay, there's oh, not one so single really complete. Yeah, exactly. Um, and in honesty, the spec is so big and there's parts that are, um, developers need and parts that developers don't need. I don't truly believe that HTML5, air quote HTML5, will be fully implemented in, in one browser in 10 years' time. And I think technology will move along and as developers, we will pick and choose the technology that's available and stable in these browsers. Well, it does underscore the need to know uh, what the capabilities are of, and if features are available uh, on the browsers that you're that you're accessing, those things typically are those checks are typically done on the fly. But places like .mobi are sort of trying to make databases of of those things to to make it easier to pull. What you know? How do, how do you typically go about doing that? Do you do it right up front? Do you say I need this feature, this feature, that feature, and this feature, and down level it after? Yeah. So the the problems presented to me by the client, they say, right, we want to do this thing. Mm-hmm. My job is to analyze that and understand what technology can solve those problems. Yeah. And then look at what platforms support that technology. And there's tools like um, Modernizer, which will give me a, 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 like a tick sheet of what support is in which browsers. I can then know, okay, great. So I can use um, at font face, so custom fonts in all of these browsers. Um, so you do it by browser, not by feature? So I have the problem. There's right. usually several ways to skin a cat. Right. So I've got an idea of which technology might be able to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. I then start looking at the different browsers to see, well, uh, there's tools like caniuse.com, which I could just put the technology in and get a quick, uh, a quick view on mm-hmm. what's supported by which browser. I then go and actually look at the browser to get an idea, actually right. uh, confirm that it works or not. That's a good link to have, caniuse.com. 
And then I will look at if there's any mobile support that we have to add. I actually look at those mobile phones, look at the browsers that we're going to be targeting and see if it supports that technology. But in real, time, in real time, do, do you ever, you know, query the device and say? Yeah. So ideal, So the best practice is to um, feature detect. Right. So if we're looking at a phone that rather than just having the whole thing blow up and break and just right. look awful. Yeah we can back off and say, okay, if there's no, um, if the application's a, uh, an accelerometer game, mm. we can say, if there's no accelerom- accelerometer, because we detected there's no d- mm-hmm. accelerometer, mm-hmm. we move down to kind of touch base. So yeah, right. let the user kind of interact with it using touch. Or maybe we support both. Right, or maybe sure. we give the, the user an option. But it's, I have to, I have to consider the technology that's available in each browser. But yeah, I have to go through. And, yeah. But it's my job, right? I'm, sure. I'm not a, I'm not a, a, a C developer that's or a C sharp developer is deploying to one single platform. Right. I'm developing against lots of platforms, yeah, that's and the that's norm. that's exactly that's goes, part of the work. The territory. Yeah. That's what makes it fun. Yeah, right. Sure. It'd be boring otherwise. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, the the line for barbecue is uh, getting longer. Yep, it's that it's lunchtime. It's time for us to go. I think so. Remy, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And we'll see you next time on Donne Rocks. Thanks for listening. And remember, Pluralsight.com is where you can get 200 free minutes of developer training online. Pluralsight.com. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Plop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC.